Bibles. You got them? You ready to open them? Great. Awesome. Uh, I want to show you a picture this week as we get into our teaching. Zach, go ahead and put that. That is a picture of my Bible. It's the actual one I'm using here today. Uh, you're wondering, like, how can you even read anything? Yes, exactly. Like, I know. So as we get into the teaching about Mark, one of the things we've talked about, Mark as an author, Mark as, as the author of this, this gospel, one of the things of, uh, one of the literary techniques that Mark uses is to put stories inside of stories, right? So like he kind of sandwiches stuff together. And today is a bigger picture of one of those sandwiches. So any one of you like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? God bless America. Like, I hope so. Like, I hope you do. So today in our teaching, um, it's, it's a great time to be able to see the whole story and how this whole sandwich fits together. So in the middle, it's going to be the peanut butter and jelly, and on the outside, it's going to be the bread. All right? So we're going to talk about peanut butter and jelly first, and on the outside, we're going to talk about the bread. Now, the reason I wanted to show you that picture was because, like, in general, I'm a technology guy. In general, like your Bible on your on your your tablet or your phone, like generally that's that's okay. But it's not until you get go ahead, Zach, show that picture one more time. Like when you can have the actual like man, it seems old fashioned, I know. But when you have the actual words on the page, you can actually see how all of these elements stack up and line up together. So if you brought your Bible, all fold it open. You know, go ahead and fold that tab open, like. Open the whole thing, because I want you to see, like, as we look at all of chapter 8 and just the tail end of chapter 7, like, all of these pieces fit together. If you see on my Bible, do you see those arrows shooting back and forth? Yeah, like, these stories actually are a part of one peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Got it? Um, To help me tell this story today, to help me go through this text, I need some help. I need a volunteer um, Raji, awesome. Come on, Raji. Come on. Let's give Raji a hand as he comes up here. Raji, in fact, why don't you get a chair? Can you grab that chair? Bring a chair up here with you. Super easy today. Super. Yeah, there you go. Get the chair. Maybe. Get another chair. Raji, you're messing it up already. Raji, so, so thankful that you're here. Thank you for helping me in today's teaching. Thank you for volunteering. Um, I just want you to take a seat. Um, and actually, look, I'll, I'll hook you up this morning. I brought you a, a Krispy Kreme donut. You can, you can actually eat it. Sometimes I've been mean and haven't allowed that. Here's a little, here's a little water for you. Um, but really, Raji, like, today is, of all the people that volunteer for me, like, you may actually have the easiest day ever, Right? because I just want you to sit here. You can eat your donut, you can have your little water, but a couple of things that I need you to wear for me while you're sitting here. One is, it's a sleep mask. So, have you ever heard of waterboarding? Okay, that's not happening, that's not happening. So I wanna, I wanna put a blindfold on you and I'm going to put ear protection. Can you hear me? Okay, well, close enough. I know what some of you are thinking already. Lucky? Like, no. Like, come on. All right, so Raji, are you set? Okay. Just, you're doing great. Perfect. All right. 
Let's dig into this sandwich. Stories within stories. Mark chapter 8 begins with, just, for, just to save us some time, I'll, I'll just tell you the first one. Mark chapter 8 begins with Jesus feeding the 4,000. Jesus is a celebrity. Crowds are following him everywhere. And Jesus, out of compassion and out of concern, feels, feels sorry for the people around him. He's worried that if he sends them home that they'll faint, that, that they've been with him all day and they haven't, they haven't had anything to eat. And so he tells his disciples, hey, let's, let's feed them. Let's, let's feed these people. And the disciples, always so faithful and trusting in Jesus, say, how are we supposed to do that? How are we supposed to find enough food to feed all of these people? And Jesus asked that pointed question that he, frankly, he asked all of us when we worry about supply or who has enough. He asked them, well, how much do you have? Right? You guys know what happens. He takes the bread they have. This time it's seven loaves. He prays for them. He, he holds them up to heaven. He prays for the loaves. They also find some small fish. And they multiply miraculously. And it says that everyone ate as much as they wanted. And there were even seven large baskets of food left over. 4,000 people in the crowd that day were fed. That's how chapter 8 begins. And that's the very center of our sandwich today. Immediately after this, Jesus gets in the boat and goes to the region of Dalmanutha. All right, let's pick it up in uh, verse 11. Here's what it says. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had arrived, they came and started to argue with him, testing him. They demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. Okay. <laughs> Any of you read Mark up to this point? Jesus ha is doing exorcisms. Uh, Jesus is uh, raising girls from the dead. Jesus is healing unclean people. In fact, every kind of sickness and disease and illness and, and uh, difficulty, Jesus is, is knocking them out of the park, right? And in fact, in Mark, right before this, Jesus feeds 4,000 people with seven loaves, right? And he gets to the good church folks, the Pharisees, and they say, would you just show us some sign? You get the irony of this. Would you just show us, some, like, just show us some sign? Now, we'll talk about this more in the future, but the sign of the Messiah they're looking at is really very, something very different. The sign they wanted was to overthrow Caesar, was to bring a big military revolution. But Jesus is showing them sign after sign after sign. I love what it says in verse 12. Like, this is, this is so important. He says, when he heard this, he sighed deeply in his spirit. Now, every parent in here knows what that feels like, right? Ah, <laughs> right? Sighed deeply in his spirit. It's a sigh of, of um, just being completely exasperated, right? Like, just like at wit's end kind of sigh. Just like, are, are you serious? Where have you been this whole time? We'll come back to the sign in just a second. He sighed deeply in his spirit, and he said, why do these people keep demanding a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth. Like, now that's parent language right there, right? I tell you the truth. I will not give this generation any such sign 
So he got back into the boat and he left them. And he crossed to the other side of the lake. Let's go a little bit further. And the next few verses, beginning in verse 14, here's what happens. So he just sighed deeply. The Pharisees are asking for a sign and they're not getting it. You know, they're just not getting it. And so in the boat, now with his disciples, heading to another place, it says the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. They had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. And as they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, still thinking about this interaction with the Pharisees, right? Asking for signs, not getting the message. And he says, watch out, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. In the Old Testament, this idea of yeast was always like evil or corruption or something like that. But here in this instance, he really means watch out for their misunderstanding. Right? They're not getting it. And so he's warning them. He, he's, he's warning them to pay attention to the truth and to, to really see what's going on. But the Pharisees aren't, I mean, the disciples aren't getting it either. Look what it says. In verse 16, 16 it says, At this they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Wait for it. Do you see the message is not getting through? Jesus says, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees. And the disciples say, dude, who forgot the bread? What are we going to eat? Right? Does G- do they pick up on Jesus' message at all? Like, no, they only hear the grumblings of their own stomach. Jesus does not respond well. <laughs> Uh, have you ever been in trouble with your mom and she immediately like starts with the finger and like she just starts with like all of these these questions, you know, like she's questioning your your soul deep within you, right? Like it just comes boiling out of you. Like this next section of Jesus, uh, how Jesus responds with them is nine questions in a row. Nine questions in a row, rapid fire. He says, watch out for misunderstanding. Who forgot to bring the bread? And Jesus immediately digs into them. Here are the questions right in a row. Jesus knew what they were saying. So he said, why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? Why are you arguing about having no bread? Do you remember how this whole chapter started? 4,000 people were fed with, you know, like... Why are you worrying about having no bread? Don't you understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes. Can't you see? That's so parent language, right? (laughs) You have eyes. Use them. You have ears. Can't you hear? Don't you remember anything? Don't you remember anything at all? And it looked like it's great, like, He says, when I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterward? And they're like, we actually know the answer to this, 12. Shut up. Right? Like now is not the time. You know what I'm saying? Like they can remember the number of baskets that are left over, but the real question of Jesus, they don't have an answer. And you ask them, like, when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? And they said, well, we picked up seven. 
And really like the penultimate question of this whole like nine questions in a row comes with this very last question. Don't you understand yet? Don't you understand yet? Right, like that's the same, like that's the same, that's the sigh he had with the Pharisees asking for a sign, right? That sigh is, man, man, why, why aren't you getting it? We work with a ministry sometimes in Ecuador. In fact, we're taking a team back this summer. Uh, it's a ministry to kids who have come out of the worst possible situations you could imagine. Um, some of the kids have been thrown, uh, had boiling water thrown on them. Some have been beat with stinging nettles. Uh, they've experienced every kind of abuse and neglect and all this kind of stuff. Like, like it's horrible and it's tragic. Uh, recently, this ministry in the last couple of years, they've, they've seen a real need of, of young girls, of teenage girls who have gotten pregnant and have no family, have no place to go. Um, one of the stories I know is a 14-year-old girl who got pregnant by a guy who's 25. And this, this amazing, it's called the Hacienda of Hope, the Home of Hope. Like this amazing ministry said, hey, this isn't really what we're equipped for. This isn't really like our, our plan or mission. But we feel like we need to do something for these girls that got pregnant. Really, they're just being preyed upon. Right, they're just targets in this world, and we want to, we want to, we want to do something for them. And so, like, they didn't have funding, they didn't have anything, but they started a ministry called Casa Esther, which is specifically to teenage girls who've gotten pregnant, right? And as soon as they started that ministry, at least four churches who were their primary supporting churches pulled all their support. You know why? Well, we can't support teenage pregnancy. And Jesus sighed deep in his spirit, right? Like me too. I heard another story this week of a, a church I used to work for, super, a church I love and am super passionate about. And uh, they're gearing up for a new, uh, uh, to expand their children's ministry, to pay attention, to really be an asset and a benefit to families who have special needs kids, right? Like, I don't know if you know, like, this is a pretty big thing, pretty big deal. And, and honestly, like, if, if I'm praying for Aspen Grove, one of the, one of the things that this is going to really frighten you, but one of the things that's come out of our prayer life is we really need to have a special needs ministry here at Aspen Grove. Like, I honestly have just been praying about that. Like, that's, that's God's honest truth of what's been coming out of my prayer life. And I have no idea how we're going to pay for it or how we're going to do it. But I just feel like we should, right? Anyway, back to the story. This church has the same kind of feeling. And so they're gearing up to help with a, uh, to, to just kind of lean into families that have kids with special needs and I was talking to them about this and like, how did this get started and where did this come from? And, and they told me a story. My friends told me a story because they had a family come to their church recently that have three special needs kids, right? Like overwhelming. Like, I can't imagine this family come and they have three special needs kids. And they came to this church because the church they were at before asked them to leave. I'm not a violent person. Well, that may not be entirely true. 
Um, I mean, I, I don't know what to say. Like, I, I think about Aspen Grove. I think about our church. Like, like, sometimes we have messed it up here. Like, we really have. Like, I have messed it up as a leader of this church. Sometimes I just look back and go, oh, man, I just, I just totally messed that up. But, man, I, I <laughs> right, here's what I know. Like, if I ever tried to do that here, like, how many of you just show of hands would kill me right off? Like, yeah, I mean, see, like, yeah, you're lining up already. Because it seems so obvious, Right? It seems so obvious for followers of Christ to get this right. It seems so obvious for people who have been with Jesus. It seems obvious that they would understand. But I hear stories like this, and I'm not saying the Aspen Grove is perfect. We really have it. And sometimes we've had to ask for forgiveness because we've screwed it up to you. But in this story, like, like, do you see Jesus' reaction as this deep sigh? Like, when are you going to get it? Like, like, don't you understand? Stand. Don't you understand what it means to live into this thing and live this thing out? Don't you understand who I am and what I can do? Don't you understand? Okay. Back to peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Are you still with me? I know I'm all over the place. That's okay. We talked about the middle of the sandwich. Let's talk about the bread. Right now, I just read you a couple of stories right here in the middle. But remember, Mark packages stuff inside of other stuff sometimes. So I want to back up a little bit and go to chapter 7, the very end of chapter 7, just before the feeding of the 4,000. Here's what it says. It says, Jesus left Tyre and went up to Sidon before going back to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Ten Towns. A deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him, and the people begged Jesus to lay his hands on the man to heal him. Jesus led him away from the crowd so they could be alone he put his fingers into the man's ears. Then spitting on his own fingers, he touched the man's tongue. And looking up to heaven, look what it says. He sighed deeply and said in Aramaic to just like add this like incredible texture to it. Ephaphatha, which means, let's say it together. It means be opened. And instantly the man could hear perfectly and his tongue was freed so he could speak plainly. The crowd in the next verse, I don't even have it on the screen, but the crowd in the next verse is completely amazed and they say everything he does is wonderful. That's one slice of bread. Let's fast forward. Jump to the other side of the story. Beginning in chapter 8, verse 22, here's what it says. When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. And Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Then spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, can you see anything now? The man looked around. Yes, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. And then it says, Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again. And his eyes were open. His sight was completely restored. And he could see everything clearly. All right, I just showed you the whole peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Do you guys see how it fits together? Do you see that right in the middle? Even, it's even what Jesus says to his disciples. 
He says, you have eyes. Can't you see? Where does this episode begin? A, a man who is like, you know, or where's it? A man who's physically blind, right? He can't see. Jesus says, you have ears. Can't you hear? Where does it begin? With a man who's deaf, right? This is where, like, this story needs to come off the page and, and speak to us in a different way. Because this is a story about people who have eyes to see and ears to hear, but just aren't getting it. The painful, painful reality for me is that every week I stand up here and I preach about the love and the truth and the grace of Jesus Christ, and some of you are sitting there just like Raji. Dude, you're doing so good. Right? In fact, hey, let's give Raji a hand. You can take a seat. You did really good. You can go sit down. Thank you for, oh, you're probably like blind right now, sorry. Thank you for volunteering. Do you see what Mark's doing? You see what he's doing in his text? Like really this chapter eight is, is the dead middle of Mark. It's the dead middle. And, and through the middle of the first eight chapters, you would have thought, you would have hoped that the disciples would know the truth of who Jesus is, right? That the church, the Pharisees, the ones who hold up the tradition of the church, that they would see and know the truth of who Jesus is, that they would see and understand. Why? Because they have eyes that actually work and they have ears that actually work. But they're not open. Remember what he told the blind man? I mean, I'm sorry, remember what he told the deaf man? Remember with this sigh up to heaven? You remember what he said? Be opened. I want to show you a couple of, Zach, just put that last slide up there. Man, like, I, I will tell you the truth. Like, there are some of you here that are Christians, and, and man, you need to hear this story, and you're going to walk away like, oh, going, oh, that was a little bit, that was weird. Okay, thanks, for, thanks Adam. Um, but honestly, like, I just want to speak to those of you who don't have a faith or don't know where your faith is or, or don't know what you believe. And I just want I just want to say to you like a little, I want to use a little bit of Jesus exasperation and say to you like don't don't you understand yet? Don't you understand yet? Like like we're waiting for you like overwhelmingly like you have people that are praying for you and hoping for you and like like leaning into you. You may have parents that are loving and waiting and praying for you to like, like they're, they're filled with this deep parental sigh of like, don't you understand yet? 
You've been, you've, been, you've been feeding on the bread of life, but you don't even know what it is or where it comes from. Like, and our deep concern for you is like, don't you understand yet? But it comes with some hope too because uh, Mark is the only one that includes this story of Jesus healing the blind man twice, right? And this is an important like center point for Mark, right? He, he touches the blind man and he actually asks him like, can you see anything? And the blind man's response is, well, kind of, sort of, right? And so this is kind of an alarming thing in, in one sense, like, Jesus, what's going on here? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, usually you're like, John, like, what happened with this whole thing? But it's an important message for those of us reading this text and following this story. Because it means, it, it's important for those of you who still don't know what you mean, who, who still don't know what you believe, who still don't know what, who Jesus is or what he's about, that there's opportunity still. Maybe you're sitting there thinking about Jesus, thinking about what you've taught about Jesus, and you go, I, I just don't know. Like, like, maybe I see a little bit of something, but I really don't know. I, I, I don't know 100% yet. I'm not all the way yet. Like, like I, get a, I get a piece of this, but I'm not, I, I, I don't get the whole thing yet. And if that's you, like, it's incredibly hopeful what Mark include, that Mark includes this story, Right? Because Jesus doesn't leave him there. He doesn't just leave him there like with like partial vision or like obscured vision. Like he keeps leaning in. And what I want to tell you is like there's hope for you still. And we want you, even if you don't understand yet, even if you don't know who Jesus is, we want you to keep coming. Because part of this is just about transformation. Part of it is about um, orientation. Part of it is moving from like actually seeing the truth of Jesus. And, and it, it is a little bit of a process. But I don't want you to stay with partial sight forever, right? Like I don't want you to just sit and live in that place too long. Like we want you to come to see the whole thing. But for that to happen... You're going to have to be open. That language, that Aramaic phrase, it means, it means doors flung wide. Not, not a little bit. Not a crack. It means fully all the way open. And I know it can be scary. going to take some faith. But if you will be opened, you'll see just like that previously blind guy. You'll see the truth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That God sent him to this place as a sacrifice for us to die because of our sins so that we would be forgiven, so that we would be united, so that we would have life everlasting. So this morning, I'm just gonna send you to a time of communion together. And uh, maybe you've been a Christian for a long time or you've been calling yourself a Christian, but you've only had the door cracked open a little bit. Maybe you're sitting here and you, sh you are at struggling with those questions of, hey, you know, I don't understand, I, I don't 
I don't know what I believe. I don't know what I think. Hey, man, we want you to know you're welcome here, but we also want you to see and discover the truth for yourself. And, and we're not going to be content. We're not going to be content until you find that truth of Jesus Christ in your own heart and life. Remember, it's not their eyes. That, they, don't have a, they don't have a hearing problem, right? The disciples don't have a hearing problem. The Pharisees' ears work just fine. It's a problem of the heart. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for this text, for these words. Um, God, I pray for those people who sat up here on the stage just like Raji, like with, with blinders on and, and, you know, ears guarded and protected. Like, God, man, there's probably some reason for that. Um, I don't know if there was some, some, maybe some church really just screwed up with them. Maybe somebody in faith really just screwed up with them in the past. And God, I'm so sorry for that. We're not perfect either. I mean, I mean, we've done that and we need forgiveness. Father God, I just, I pray for every heart, for every person here at this church, that they would be opened. that we would fully know the truth of who you are. And God, I believe that you haven't left us, you haven't abandoned us, like you're, you're still here working on us, working on every heart. And so God, I just honestly, I just pray for some movement this morning. Man, those doors sometimes, those, <laughs> those doors of our heart can get shut and locked and man, they can, the hinges can get rusty and man, they can be hard to move. But God, I pray for your truth to penetrate. Father God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. I think it's his life and light, like it's still, it's still valuable and important and relevant and needs to be known desperately. I pray that this would be the moment. That this would be the moment. Father, we love you. In your son Jesus' name, everyone together says...